Hi, I'm Kate Bailey. I'm a coach, an author, and a sober mama. And this is Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi and welcome back and today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by sober legend Veronica Valley. Um, Veronica is a coach, she's an author, she's a psychotherapist, she's uh, been sober for over 20 years, um, she is the creator of the Soberful program and you can find her at soberful.com or veronicavalley.com. So hi and welcome. It's so lovely to speak to you and see you again, Veronica. How are you doing? Hi, Kate. I'm recording live from my childhood bedroom in Norfolk, England, where I'm visiting family. So it's you're always a bit weird when you <laughs> come. Like, do you know what I mean? It's It's been decorated since I last inhabited it, but it's also a bit weird. Mm. Well, talking about cycles, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I do, I walk around the town I grew up in and I see like my teenage self and what I thought and felt then. And it's like, kind of interesting to, you know, be the age I am now and mm. kind of thinking about all, you know, so, uh, teenage years were a real struggle for me. That It was really mm. hard. Um, I, I much prefer being this age, even though <laughs> I'm going into this big hormonal change. And that's what we're going to talk about, isn't it? We're going to dive in today because both of us are in those kind of menopausing years, the perimenopause. I'm a little bit older than you. And we just wanted to get together and, and kind of keep this conversation yeah. going, keep it open. Yeah. And, and to kind of talk about also the, the program that, that we're going to be running to support sober women, sober and sober curious women who are in, in a similar stage of life called hot sobriety and we'll give you details a bit later but so how is it because we spoke a few weeks ago didn't we on your podcast mm. on the soberful podcast so yeah so in a bit of an update on that really so I've um it was interesting when we were chatting because I've definitely been in perimenopause and about two years oh, two or three years ago probably 2020 I think it was I began noticing that my PMS was getting deeper and longer and it took me a while to figure it out and then I get my period and then I realized oh that's what it was and then last year I noticed some some symptoms and I went to see an OBGYN in America and she put me on the contraceptive pill and I just bled and I just didn't like it so I came off of that and then I, I've been using exercise and diet to really kind of manage how I felt and and that's worked and then I noticed it's really funny because you feel like you're gaslighting yourself you're mm. like am I is it I don't know if I just not slept well and, and and I just noticed in the last two or three cycles I would get my period and then be and feel buoyant and be mm. like oh I'm, ba I'm back to myself and and realize that for a good two weeks I'd felt like I had a cloud over me um and that I just felt that's the only way I can describe it like I felt like uh I could feel the like really angry 
Um, and I would do things like I could feel like I'd get really angry with my husband and kids and, and I'd take myself off for an hour and then I'd feel all right. And I could feel like this kind of negativity and depression. And then it would lift the minute I had my period. And I, I realized, and then it was a conversation with you and, and it really just stuck in my mind where you said that you didn't wait for the symptoms to get bad enough. And I honestly kind of, that's how I felt. I felt like, oh, is it that bad? I don't know. You know, half the month I'm sort of all right, you know. And I realized, I thought, no, this is actually bad enough for me. Mm. This, my sleep has not been as great. I haven't been having hot sweats, but I do feel like I'm running hot at night. Like I, my husband quite a few times would get into bed and put an extra blanket on and I'm like, oh, <laughs> um, so that just stuck with me it's like what like I these are symptoms I'm Mm. 50 these are symptoms and I've done well managing things so far but let's not wait so I contacted in America there's a specialist uh, menopausal service online and I did an assessment and uh, they've diagnosed me uh, they've given me some HRT and the progesterone yeah and that'll be waiting for me hopefully when I get home next week and so yeah. I'm I'm ready yeah I feel like I'm ready and then of course mm. being home I feel like every conversation I've had with my peers everybody's now started HRT mm. and I think they've changed don't they call it something else now I thought it used to be HRT and now it's something I don't know anyway mm. I, I I am uh, uh, yeah I'm starting so that's where I am I'm kind of feel excited about that because I yeah I don't want my symptoms to get any worse no. And I come across a lot of women in my work who are just, well, you know, A, they're struggling with an alcohol problem and B, mm. they are really not okay with the hormonal changes that are going mm. on. And and you've taught me that it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. There's a lot we can do to support ourselves mm. and we're not going to just stay silent and grin and bear it anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, yeah, so you're going on the the combined HRT estrogen yeah so you get the estradiol and then you're having the progesterone side of it as well which is yes that's yeah protect protects the lining of your uterus doesn't it yeah yeah that's right so we need both so that yeah exactly it stops the thickening of the lining of the womb and and luckily there are loads of resources that we can look at now to explain much more um reliable information coming through and I'll link yeah. some of those below you know but, but that's so then part of it is I think is I don't know if you you know I'm, I'm kind of making an assumption here part of it a really important is those kind of foundational hormonal support mm. and if you've been doing so if you've been doing all the right things you've been doing your you know let's face it you're sober you've been sober for many many years mm looking after your diet Mm. you've been doing some exercise you know we know about positive mental strategies and stress relief so we've been doing all that I'm still feeling shit Mm. you know Mm. and yet we still have that kind of thought of like you said that gaslighty thought of Mm. hang on is it that bad do I really am I really and I'm like like for you I was like okay I'm but I'm 50 look that's the age it's not yeah yeah (laughs) you know um and then there's that side of from what I hear is something about taking control back yes yeah and I don't really know what I was thinking 
I, but I think I was thinking it's almost like alcohol, isn't it? Is, is it bad enough? Mm. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Is it bad enough? And I think I'd had that one little foray and I didn't feel like that worked for me, the contraceptive pill. I didn't want to go down that route again. Mm. So it, it was, is it bad enough to do something about it? And when you reframe that, mm. and it is like, is this how I want to feel all the time? Is this good enough for me? It's like, no, actually it's not. I, I don't actually want to have half my month that's really like, um at all so it's interesting and again I think that we are you've talked about this a lot that we feel generation x is the first generation really talking about this in the open and and in public and and the generations before us it was still a very private thing that women suffered alone and and I feel like that you know we've had what at least 35 years of that kind of thinking that women's bodily matters Mm. just need to not be in the public sphere and not kind of you know maybe muttered about in the changing room occasionally but and we've got to just break free of that yeah. I think because it's not serving any of us no it's like that thing of it being slightly distasteful isn't it it's not what we do yes, yeah. and that's so different now I think it's starting to change like you like you say yeah there's and definitely if- there's definitely the women's bodily functions this is the patriarchal stuff yeah women's bodily functions are disgusting and smelly and Mm. need to be out of sight for everyone else to feel comfortable yeah yeah for sure and um and I have noticed so we've been talking about so I'm so I'm 50 I've just been 54 Mm. and I have noticed as well a shift since we last talked and I was mm. looking at this. It's a great book by Kate Codrington called Second Spring. Mm. I already and, ordered it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really positive. It's that kind of framing again of things in a, in a cyclical way. And now during this, so, so from that, that kind of model, you know, through our men, perimenopause, say, so, so that, that kind of the summer would be in, you know, after the 30s, 20s and 30s, you know, all of that, that kind of mm. bloom high energy. Mm. So premenopause, perimenopause, mm. that's going towards the autumn where things are, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for me, I was on one for the whole of <laughs> I felt like a lot of but I think probably because I was supported by by you know hormonal I went on Mm. the HRT so so that that sort of sense made me better but what I've noticed as I quite recently is I'm going much more into that I want everyone to fuck off (laughs) like in a really big way (laughs) and so she would sort of say, okay, well, that's that, that sort of menopause piece. So, and I will be, it's about probably about a year in September. Talk about my menopause party later. But <laughs> um, that kind of feeling of this need for retreat and rest mm. in a society that doesn't value retreat and rest mm. at all. Well, why aren't you working, still working 24-7, pumping this out and pumping that out? Mm. Um I also noticed that there is a, though I want to acknowledge privilege there as well, because not mm. everyone, not every woman can, mm. we've, we've got to work, right? But I was, I'm interested in where we can carve out 
and honour that and support each other as women in that need and not mm. gaslight each other as well with those. I see mm. some of it on Facebook about, oh, I'm so busy. You know, just stop glorifying the cult for busy. It's like yes, we really I need to call, call yeah. bullshit on that bit. Yeah. So, and then what she says is that afterwards, and this is one of the reasons why I think you and I, if we if we can do this you know the so sobriety menopause well-being reframing real reclaiming this transition then we come through to this second spring mm. which is where apparently like kate codrington is because she's collected some great quotes that's what i'm kind of trying to dig out about this resurgence mm. so it's not just like okay we're just declining we're going into the menopause actually it's hell of a lot better and I've heard this said so that is what I'm kind of quite excited about at the moment yeah I've heard that from um some of my clients in their 60s mm. when I've done groups and retreats and this has come up with, and because my client group tends to be like between 40 and 65 um and and the ladies in their 60s who have through it and passed it said you know it get like it is you know it's so great when it's all over and you get your energy back and your sanity and you're you're you've got you know still got you know ho hopefully got your health and there's still there is that second you know there's more to us yeah like we're not done and dusted because our childbearing years mm. are now behind us um it's kind of fascinating about females the mm. human females is that in in the natural world um females die off um pretty soon after they can't bear children because there's no purpose to them whereas human females we can have decades mm. and of... orca whales yeah and there's an aphid apparently really orca whales do as well yeah and they lead matrilineal pods and they take oh. a very protective roles of the young males which I find it's yeah it's so it's, it's such a kind of it's a growth area right because we mm. are like you said we're almost like rewriting the narrative mm. and I think that we are the first like you were saying Gen X there mm. are some there are some voices coming through but mm. because we you know we use social media like we do and we've got the platforms and mm. we can hear each other I think there's going to be more there are going mm. to be more and we're rewriting mm. the narrative and a healthy menopausing because we still say we've got this kind of like negative a kind of vibe about it and actually I believe if we are well supported we have all the information we can advocate for our needs we've got our sobriety which is one of the power tools we've got each other it's like I feel like transitions they are difficult but uh, there's the gold is there you mm. know the gold is there that that growth that depth that wisdom those strengths mm. which then pave the streets of our mm. second spring mm. we're, we're burning away the dross aren't we we're supposed to be like actually mm. really don't give a damn what you think about me more mm. really not gonna put up with this but we yeah. do need help we need help and support with that yeah, I, I feel like um, a lot comes to a head in these middle years. And I, one of my experiences has been, um, I feel stuff that's been unresolved maybe from when we, we were younger in our mm. childhoods or our 20s 
is middle age is often an opportunity to to finally resolve wounds and unhealthy patterns and dysfunction Mm -hmm. and all of that kind of stuff and yeah it's I'm just thinking of your seasonal thing you know Mm. if you sort of think childhood and sort of 20s 30s childbearing and all that kind of stuff and then this middle bit you know because I I was with my cousins at the weekend and I had one cousin same age as me and she's been on HRT for over a year then Mm. my other cousin is 44 and she's been on it for over a year Mm. because she went into perimenopause quite early about 38 but there's this middle bit where there's a lot to it and then we have this sort of post 60 you know mm. this is a season this yes 50 it's a season of resolution and mm. I think it can be physical resolution but also emotional mm. resolution I agree and I, that's why I just feel like I see so many women who come to me it, it's like if not now then when right I like the the if I don't resolve this stuff now, if I mm. don't get a handle on my health, if I don't get a handle on this pattern, this behavior, these feelings, then when? Yeah. So I think it's a period of resolution mm. as well, which is the kind of like what you're saying. There's almost like I feel what's required to do that is a withdrawing. Yeah. Yeah. And a processing the um, time and space to, to, what do I, I do a lot of walking in the woods at the moment. It's become <laughs> a foundational practice and it was quite by accident because I kind of inherited a dog. <laughs> I was given the black dog of <laughs> depression. I was, um, and so, and he is a sprocker. He needs a lot of walking. And so I have basically quite by accident inherited a, daily walking meditation or Mm. nature would practice Mm. Mm. I cannot tell you how Mm -hmm. much I need it now I process I think I cry I ache like I really Mm. ache Mm. um I I've processed just last weekend I was like what is this ache it wouldn't go away I was listening to kind of I don't know, Fleetwood Mac, or something. usually some Fleetwood Mac will kind of shift something for me <laughs> or something. And I was like, oh, I feel I have a heartache. And it was like, my kids don't want to hang out with me anymore. Mm. They would have, it would, I would have been having to get them out. So now it's the dogs. So cognitively, that's fine. I don't mind. It's Saturday morning. It's quite nice. But as, a, as an animal, as a kind of a female animal, there was that. And I felt like there's this there's this many truths piece there's this complex piece to midlife where it's not binary it's not either or it's both I am aging that's a gift and a privilege I love it and yet I'm processing lots of little deaths Mm. do you know what I mean that sounds dramatic but it felt felt like that heartache and I feel like to be present to that is an honor to be supported in that makes it okay Mm. and then that's part of the process of like you were saying that season almost like that shedding Mm. and with that shedding goes me processing that you know I don't know Mm. if I'm making sense but yeah that uh, cycling round so when I see my teenagers I'm I'm, yeah I'm like my daughter's 12 
course and then suddenly it's like oh okay I'm I'm faced with my 12 year old Mm. self and I have to separate that because obviously I'm not her she's not me Mm. and this is all happening now isn't it for us you know, I have to say, I think getting a dog is one of the best things you can do for your mental health. You I do. just, uh, yeah, I, I've, we got a dog two years ago. It's the best thing we've ever done. We, we are all obsessed with him. And what have I, you got? Oh, it's a Habibi bear. It's a therapy dog. So it's a schnoodle. So he's just a massive love bug. And all he wants to do is just, he relentlessly loves us all day, every day. It's like the Lush. best thing. And um, I always worried about like, oh God, you know, taking him for walks. I love it. We love taking him out. It's it never really it don't I don't I have to say it rarely feels like a chore or a burden. Mm. It feels like a joy, and I it agree. is right. Just getting out in nature, it, it it's wonderful. So, mm. I I have boys. I, I wonder what it's like having girls and mm. seeing them go. Th- you you can identify. I have the a therapist. I have a therapist. <laughs> Thank God. Um, yeah, I think it's like what you said about the integration piece. Mm. I really do. And I mean, I, do, you know, recently, like I said, the, my daughter's gone through something which I, I don't feel like it's my story to tell, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But it did involve me then going to the therapist and the therapist saying to me after we were doing some EMDR, we were doing all the mm-hmm. stuff. And she said, okay, and just remind me how you are different to your daughter. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. And I could list it. And it was like, fine, I'm done. It's fine. The umbilical cord is fine. It's fine. She's separate. I'm separate. Mm-hmm. Okay, we mm-hmm. can move forward. But I needed support with that. You know, we have those old um, sayings, don't we? The English sayings of like, I like father, like son, like mother, like daughter. And I do think there's that, there's the genetics, the ancestral stuff. But part of that is that we didn't have the the information and the means to break those family generational things like we do now. Mm. And I do feel like it's my kind of responsibility to do my work around that, you know. A hundred percent. Every generation is given an opportunity to break unhealthy, toxic dynamics in their family system because so much stuff is generational. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I, it, it's our. Um, I, I know I've broken a lot for my kids. Doesn't mean to say I've not given them some dysfunction because I think that if you're parented by a human being, that's mm-hmm. going to be inevitable. But I also think. I also, I don't know, I feel like there's some design in that, in that I, I, I believe all human beings benefit from self-reflection. Yeah. And it, the only thing I think that prompts us into self-reflection is pain. So, and struggle. And I think it's, I think it's also very good for our kids to struggle and to struggle well. Mm. <coughs> we shouldn't steal opportunities for them to struggle. Oh, look, there's your dog. Oh. He smells, <laughs> but he is beautiful. Um, so I think that that self-reflection leads to us having the mm. opportunity to break these patterns of behaviour mm. that haven't served us because we can see them because we've self-reflected and seen it because of the pain that it caused mm. and 
you know, I, I think every, as a therapist, Chip and I always talk about this. Um, when you're with a client and it's all about childhood, like you mm. just want to find out about childhood because that's where all the answers are. And, um, you know, that you can ask about people's childhood and they'll say, oh, it's, yeah, it's good, yeah, it's fine. And then you're not getting what you need. So you say to them, how would you parent, if you had kids or if you have kids, mm. how would you parent them differently? And that there's always like, oh, everyone has that. Oh, I would never do that. Yeah. I mean, we have yeah. hopefully some things of like, you know, I want to carry on this tradition or I want, you know, I, I really loved it when my parents did this or whatever. But there's always inevitably, a, oh, I would never do X. Yeah. And that's where the sort of the really interesting information is and the, the patterns usually that we have mm. to change. And that, yeah. And that for me, I suppose, coming now in that reflective piece and that autumn piece and the processing piece you're talking about midlife um is that kind of needing to learn the self-compassion piece about what we can't change and what you know it's like oh man did I really I was trying so hard to not do what they did and now I've given them a whole load of other stuff you know and that sort of know. you know that self-compassion and this is so reminds me of sobriety of that kind of what we can change and what we can't, you know. So for me, I thought I would say, um, you know, I felt like just quite recently that I was. Uh, it was like I was playing at a doll's house with Sylvanian families. And I thought if I tried really hard, I could make all the Sylvanians get on and wear really nice clothes and no one would fall out and everything. And it was like, oh, I've realized that I can't control I'm not the puppet master I cannot yeah. control this God. oh holy moly so I feel really really grateful to be sober at this point oh, in my life my God, to yeah. be able to process this mm -hmm. and to transition um and I really want to help other women as I know you do yeah, to, I, to I do agree. that with the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And that um I had that that's my client group. I have a lot of women in the in perimenopause and menopause, and they are struggling massively with an alcohol problem. And um and the menopause it, the, the hormonal stuff is just ripping them apart. And it's yeah, I'm really, really glad I have so much sobriety behind me and I, mm. I've come into this with as optimal health as possible yeah. um because it's just so hard on on the body and it's so hard on our minds as well mm -hmm. and let's just give a little plug for hot sobriety we we kate and i've been talking about this for a long time so we put together a little workshop so on july 10th it's 97 dollars us a bit less in pounds um and it's a three-hour workshop about um how to manage the menopause and sobriety at the same time so check out go to sobefore.com it's on our social media if you want to uh, come along to that uh, Kate uh, your what, what's your title you're a menopause doula is that yeah so yeah. that's part of my training as a menopause doula um, and I trained with the menopause school because like you said so many of my clients were coming and becoming derailed or mm. really struggling with this midlife piece and I just yeah the, the hormone as we've discussed today there's a lot of there's lots in there this transitional piece the the stress piece for women it's a very interesting mm. time of life 
it's my kind of favorite sort of it's very juicy right but the but what I think we've both realized is that hormonal piece does need to be supported and the the, the there's a foundational health piece so we can't yes. just be talking about mindset or relationships no, 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 no. It's you can't be that mindset as well. you can't mindset yourself out of this no and and yeah and I've learned so much along the way and so much for you is like understanding that that you know two, at least two week drop of just having this black mood was to do with estrogen yeah right not not realizing once I'd ovulated my my estrogen levels were plummeting and that's why I felt so miserable and not myself and then as soon as I had my period it came back again because I remember um I was really unprepared for the baby blues when I had my first child like I was Mm. I kind of knew but I didn't really understand I didn't have anyone around me both my uh my step my stepson's wife is pregnant and I've I've taken him to one side and said you this is what you need to know like this isn't and he's like oh she'll feel emotional I'm like no it's not emotional the hormones go off a cliff and 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 you just feel pathetic and and cry and it will be two to three weeks or so and then it should get better and this is how what you this is what she's going to need from you and I just felt like this pathetic mess and I didn't understand what was wrong with me and I, it really was a big struggle. And then the mm. second time I was much more prepared and, and I was able to tell my husband what I needed and I kind of knew it was coming. And I kind of almost was, um, with my second son, it was always about three or four in the afternoon. I just had to have a, I just cried. Mm. And I'd take myself off to bed and I'd cry and he would come and hug me and, and I'd just be all pathetic and then I'd feel better. And I'd just have a scheduled cry every <laughs> every day. and. And then it, eventually it goes. But mm. these hormonal, like they can just feel like coming off the edge of a cliff because mm. it's not emotional. You can't think your way out of it. You can't mindset. You can't exercise your way out of it. No. Like understanding that this knowledge, like what we're going to teach in our program. But this knowledge is really important because there's lots of things you can do that before you're sort of like oh just exercise more just eat more blueberry you know you're just sort of feeling in the dark mm. we, with the specific things we have to know about each part of our cycle and what's happening and specific ways that we can support ourselves and the big thing is couple that with sobriety if you are trying to get sober or in early days of sobriety and you have a, horm- a hormonal drop I can't imagine I mean that I see that mm. derail women all the time yeah 100 percent, and it happened to me Mm. at 44 Mm. so I stopped drinking at 43 Mm -hmm. did a year Mm. and I can remember I was on a sober retreat when I had the hormonal drop and thought my sobriety was broken I was on a freaking sober retreat I should have been bomb proof yeah joking but yeah and so yes it's a real thing and it can it can like you said Veronica it's so true and we can't mindset but we can do yeah lots of things to 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 support and part of that is that information support and we'll be going through all of that yeah in in our hot sobriety program so check it out I'll put all the links below Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's been so lovely to speak to you Veronica it's always a pleasure and I can't wait to do this next month with you in a couple of weeks time now isn't it so yeah same yeah. here yeah so and we look forward to welcoming you and diving into this topic with you because you know it can feel really wobbly and we can't wait to 
support you as sober women going through this this midlife transition perimenopause and menopause yeah absolutely look forward to seeing you there thanks again kate thanks veronica so if you're immediately concerned about your drinking obviously do reach out there's lots of help out there you know find your fit send up a flare so barista still has an anonymous ask the doctor service which is just a great thing so you can just you know reach out know that you're not alone reach out and um see you soon for some more chat Thank you.